0: Welcome to episode 58 of the Atalan Rising podcast, where today we are going to go off on one hell of a tangent and cover House of X and Powers of Ten Issues 1. Today I am joined by Lynn, and only Lynn, no Saren, no Doc either, um, for this episode. How are you, Lynn?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh,
0: I'm doing pretty well. Um, I think in the comic book world, all we've been doing recently in about the past week or so is just looking at House of X and how it kind of how it's maddeningly kind of, you know, there's, there's loads of stuff to it that I think we're going to kind of delve into today, but it's just, wow. <laughs> uh,
1: I am, uh, I'm sitting here in, in front of my wall of notes.
0: Yeah. And, and, and trust me when I say this, I've, I've kind of seen a picture of uh, Lynn's wall of notes and um, yeah, this is like proper tin foil hat stuff. I mean, I know previously in the past we've kind of gone down that route, but this is real kind of, delving into the detail of the, the, the issues and that kind of stuff. So, hope you enjoy this episode. Um, we're going to try and do our best to <laughs> kind of uh, streamline uh, what we think, um, but I, I don't think it's going to be a, a short one. Um, so, I think we should go straight to straight to House of X, which is issue one of six, um, written by uh, Jonathan Hickman, art by, uh, was it Pepe Laraz, and... Um, uh, who else is it, Marte Garcia uh, the letterer is VCs Clayton Cowles and the general design, which is quite, a, quite an odd one, I will just call it out now, um, is by Tom Muller. I've never seen an issue of a comic book with a design person in it so it's already pretty different
1: There is um, quite a bit of inter- interesting graphic design going on
0: Yeah, particularly books, just, I mean, so. just like looking at the the first kind of main splash page, I mean, it's not really a splash page, it's just the title page, it's um, its already set out differently to anything you've seen before, I think, but whilst we're going to get into it later, there's like a lot of the um, kind of the the bracketry of a standard um standard test format that like you guys have in the us like when you go voting and stuff like that if we dive into the story the the first part of the issue is um kind of goes through five months ago four months ago three months ago two months ago various different locations so you've got Krakoa, westchester blue area of the moon and mars mars which uh, is an odd choice of locations purely because it featured it featured quite heavily in uh, in hickman's avengers run um Blue area of the moon obviously has quite a lot of history with the uh, the X Men. Um, you've got the Savage Land, Washington D C, um, and then the Jerusalem habitat. So Jerusalem is uh, is quite quite new to the X Men. Would you say? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of goes through the whole book. Kind of focuses on uh, Magneto kind of showing like a a, a a team of delegates from various different places across the globe around. Uh, Around Krakoa. So um they kind of go through various different locations. Now you see lots of different things like uh Jean Grey showing um a new mutant child to the, the grey malkin habitat, which is West 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 Chester in New York. Um you see uh Cypher and uh I can't remember who that is, at Sage, kind of in like yep. what appears to be some sort of computerized hub of Krakoa. Which again is quite odd because I mean, obviously, Cipher is well known for his uh, understanding of any language that he can, you know, get his hands on. Um, last scene in, I think it was one of the Hunt for Wolverine books, um, where he became addicted to the internet. So, <laughs> which is quite good. Um, and and then and then the book starts getting a bit weird because then you've got a map of Krakoa, which suggests that it's in the Pacific. Um, now, what I found interesting about this map is that the fact that it's missing, and it's got the border there, but it's missing a large chunk of the land, and that's that's odd for me to start with. And then you get stuff mm. like the um, Souls Hammer comes up with the um, with Karima, which is the she's a Omega Sentinel, if I'm right. Yes, um, I haven't really read much of her with her in, but uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, Soul's Hammer was last seen in Avengers. Uh, which again, really nice links between the two. Hickman is a master of linking everything he does together. Um, but it appears to be that they are making massive great sentinels up there. Um, uh, the Orcus Protocol is mentioned next. Uh, the orcus Pro- Protocol being kind of a combination of aim, shield, strike, sword, alpha flight, hammer, armor and hydra. Um, all kind of donating money to this, this, what would you call it, like a private...
1: Um, it's, a, it's a another secret organization. Yeah, it's, it's going to point out that it's comprised of forty percent of what I would consider the bad guys.
0: Yes, yeah, but also the there's a mostly few. Mostly,
1: AIM, Hydra, Hammer.
0: But you've still got sixty percent so-called good art, uh, good guys in there, yeah. which is which again, it's odd. But there's a lot of information on the Orchest protocol on the orchestra structure, and kind of where they've come from, where they want to go to a lot of it is about um, kind of trying to work out where the mutant population is going and how humanity kind of deals with that. Uh, so they're not exactly the greatest people in the world, put it that way. Um, but I guess it would also suggest that humanity really doesn't want mut- mutant kind to flourish, which we've probably seen in the last few years of <laughs> of X-Men books. In fact, probably the last sort of yeah. 50 years worth of X-Men books. So... <laughs> um, and then and then we get a glimpse of mystique and and sabertooth uh breaking into damage control um I, I don't remember the last time i read about damage control but obviously they are kind of like the, the the cleanup crew of the marvel universe um and then and then the fantastic four make an appearance to try and get rid of them it's it's just kind of there's obvious links that hickman is putting in there um Famously, famously, Franklin Richards is a mutant, and he is an Omega-level mutant. Uh, funnily enough, he went around and created universes uh, after Secret Wars, so he's a, a big kind of player. Well, I think he's going to be a big, quite, quite a big player in uh, in the future of this book. And it kind of cuts back to Magneto, kind of chatting to the delegates. Um, it kind of cuts between the two two groups of mutants. So you have got cuts between uh, Magneto and then the the guys that are kind of going out and grabbing stuff from Damage Control. Um, good to point out the Damage Control, it looks like the information they were getting is kind of what belongs to who. So like Souls Anvil, Souls Hammer, uh, the Iron Man, Mark, whatever, suits, and the Rescue Suits, and uh, um, I'm guessing, well, Souls Anvil particularly <laughs> comes from the Fantastic Four run from 2011, which was also Hickman. Um whew, wow where do we go from here <laughs> Um it's quite interesting because then it comes up with a big list of omega level mutants Uh which again is quite interesting on its own because it shows where basically each of these mutants have got their alliances they're largely for Krakoa uh Franklin Richards which is highlighted in red which we'll come to later is human and he's allied, allied with the humans and it seems like he is a target for the X-Men to to get
1: we should we should also point out that this is the first time they've ever really defined what an omega level mutant is.
0: Yes, and, and who is one? Yeah, and it, it kind of it kind of makes sense um, how they how Hickman has particularly defined it, and it's kind of the best way to describe it. I think is um, you know if you could measure them on a dial, where would they be? And is there a force within humanity or manufactured by humanity that could beat it? At least that's the way I interpret it. I I mean, you might have a different view on it, but uh, it was the idea that Magneto is an Omega level mutant because he cannot be overpowered, whereas Forge can be.
1: Yes, you have to be basically unsurpassable. Yes, at what you do.
0: Yep, and then uh, and then it cuts back to then the book cuts back to kind of the delegates and Magneto, and you've got kind of Magneto basically taking the gun off one of the delegates. Um, and it ends with the saying from Magneto, you have new gods now, which, yeah, I don't know where we're headed.
1: That's not ominous at all. Yeah.
0: And the fact that he's working with Charles Xavier makes it even worse or better, depending on your point of view. (laughs) That's not succinct at all, but that's kind of what's happening. Um, what did you think, Lynn?
1: Uh, This is, this is the most excited I've been for an X-Men comic in a long, long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is some, it's really something special. This is much, this is very different.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, particularly different when you look at the, the fact that kind Uh of, kind of that the X-Men in previous years have been kind of this, the same old stuff over and over again. Um, Yeah, this is this is going to be great, and it's the fact that Hickman is writing it, and it's clearly a a a book that he's been wanting to write for quite a long time, and the fact that it's basically twelve issues long, and apparently, sorry, carry on.
1: I was going to say there there is a lot to unpack in just one issue.
0: Yeah, no idea where it's going.
1: It looks like we're we're hatching mutant clones in the world. Yep, where we have uh, Professor X hatching what looks like another Scott and Jean. And yep. some other people.
0: I mean, you'd, you'd guess it'd be the original five.
1: Yeah. And then we have him dressed like the maker.
0: Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think,
1: <laughs> you know, is it, you know, then begs the question, is it the maker? Is it just symbolic of the way he's acting that he's dressing that way?
0: Yeah. Um, or, or is the, it, is it the fact the that messer, I, 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 the messer, I, maker I'm...
1: does like messing with jeans because he did the, the children of tomorrow in his Hickman run
0: yeah which I still need to pick up and I really desperately want to pick it up after this this uh, this run. But I think um, the other kind of symbolic thing which we have seen before is the flowers, which uh, yes. I, yeah I think the fact that they are all different flowers and um, Hickman has used flowers as an example of um, almost like time running out, I guess which was you know funnily enough it was the actual arc time runs out. Uh, the original synarch of Aven- avengers where steve goes on a, a little jaunt through time kang Immortus, and
1: um iron lad yep. they, all, they
0: all had a part of a flower so seed the flower and then
1: and
0: wilted wilted flower um and it's just it, yeah it it the whole symbolism of this thing is going to drive me nuts <laughs> i thought i thought avengers drove me nuts and i i was only just getting stuff a few weeks ago uh, from that run after i reread it but
1: and uh, now we have Krakoa being able to create portals,
0: yeah, which, between um, other
1: Krakoa locations.
0: Yeah, which seem to be, as we find out in Powers of Ten, seem to be grown from those flowers.
1: We have ways we can go from one Krakoa location to another. Only mutants can go through, unless they're accompanied, you know, it's unless someone is accompanied by a mutant. Yep. And actually, I kind of wonder if the different Krakoa locations are that blacked-out area on the Cocoa map.
0: Ah, yeah. That, that. that, that
1: extra landmass is a landmass that's not actually attached to it. So just you know, if, a, if a mutant ever shows up in your country or on your planet, give them a good check when they're going through customs for seeds. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have a Kokoa portal on your planet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that dotted out kind of, that part of the map, I mean, almost is, it could be
1: arena i'm gonna guess that's like the danger room now yep the academos habitat i assume that's where the the students live Yep. arbor magna maybe that's the the big clone tree
0: true i hadn't thought about that although i'm guessing that this is like latin or something some of it anyway so i don't know what arbor magna means big tree Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense then.
1: <laughs> basically, let's see. <laughs> uh,
0: and I'm guessing the cradle is, um, the, well, potentially the bottom of the tree where the clones are. Um, yeah, I mean, this, uh, and the reservoir, which I kind of assume is where the water flows down to. Uh, yeah, I mean, so much stuff to kind of dig into on that. Just from a map. And that's, <laughs> and that's saying something
1: but and actually i just had a thought the black area on Krakoa, one of the flowers makes a tumor that could be the uh, no place areas yeah they crocola can't see what happens in the no place areas
0: so so yeah so it's literally called cool. this no, uh, non naturally occurring flower produces a habitat that out uh, t- Habitat that exists outside the collective consciousness of crocoa a place within the island ecosystem that Krokoa doesn't know exists and uh and crocoan true tumor so that would suggest exactly what you've just said that the fact that that is what it cannot see, which potentially when we come to powers of x could be where the um what they call the is it the black mind
1: um black brain the black brain yeah yes
0: which you never know? link it together
1: <laughs> and then uh we have mr uh, hickman has put a little easter egg in there we have agent mendel and dr gregor gregor mendel being the father of genetics
0: yep which is um again is quite a nice little it's kind of nice subtle nod um it, oh, yeah this book this book <laughs>
1: And that, that's one that comes up in the Orcus part of the story where they have Soul's Hammer. It looks like they have spliced Soul's Hammer together with Master Mold that's, to create Mother Mold.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking because the fact that Master Mold is, you know, it, that's a really nice touch as well because he's not a villain that's really commonly used.
1: It, it, but this one, it, this is a lot different than some other X-Men stories because this is really the X-Men asserting themselves. Yeah. And, and the
0: thing is, is that um, these stories are kind of like, one of them is what Hickman has been wanting to tell, you know, for ages. And he'd already got the sign off for it, I believe, which to me is potentially, um, I would actually go and say it's probably Powers of X as opposed to House of X. Mm. Um, because Powers of X, as we will come to in, the, in a minute, almost seems like a simulation of the future. Whereas yes. House of X happens in the here and the now. So I, I think one, even though they kind of link together, I think one of them is obviously um, meant to be kind of like a story that was meant to be told on its own. Uh, and the fact that he's managed to link it to this other story is quite quite good. I might be completely wrong on that one, but.
1: Uh... Well, I think I think House of X is what's currently happening. Yep. And Powers of Ten. When I when I look through and we see all these bracketed codes and numbers going down, and you can see that it's counting. Yes. It looks like we're running through a simulation.
0: Yep, yep. It's
1: different iterations inside a simulation, and we know from Orcus that they have been running predictive models trying to predict what the mutants are going to do. So I guess we're kind of leading into Powers of X now, because on the first page of Powers of X it becomes evident what he meant by powers of x
0: yes and it's it. it's the nerdiest thing I, and i absolutely love it it's just like <laughs> I, I think when they've released that um whenever they released the still well, not the stills for this but they released that page but without any out any without any of the boxes on there um nobody can understand why it was called powers of 10 <laughs> and all it needed was the bo- <laughs> was the little boxes um and it's just so yep. good
1: Ten to the zero is one. Ten to the one is ten. Ten to the two is a hundred. Ten to the three is a thousand. It's the time periods that the story is told in.
0: Yeah. And um... and then
1: going going further down that page, you've got Krakoa point two, three point four, five point one, seven point one, eight point one, nine point one, and we end with M X theta. Now we know that Moira X is going to figure into the story because she's in the title of one of the um, upcoming issues. I think it's the mysterious case of Moira X or something. Yep. And I thought it was interesting that she was assigned theta. In uh, mathematics, theta can be an angle. Theta is also a representative of death, but it's also a factor in the likelihood function.
0: Yeah, and and this kind of blew my mind earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, I think, so I think I think the uh,
1: the likelihood function yeah. tells you the value of something, the value of x of x for a specific parameter value theta, and if you look at it written out, it's p sub theta of x, which actually looks like p o x when Power, you write it out. Yeah,
0: powers of x. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, when it kind of blew my mind earlier, but but not only that, it was just the fact that you managed to... Did, did you get that just from reading the book? Yes. <laughs> See, that's that's what blew my mind more than anything, is the that you managed to get down that deep into it. And I, I think you're right, by the way. I do think that this is going to feed into it, and I do think that there's a lot of simulations in this. But I think it just and, uh, just the fact that you managed to find it.
1: I th- at first, I thought it was kind of crazy, but then I looked at the cover for the next house of X and it's the, the kaleidoscope cover. Yeah. And there are many different versions of Moira, which would be the simulation changing the parameter of theta.
0: Yep. And also, um, I think the, the, the other thing in this is that kind of Moira is the, the human of the story. So the suggestion is that Charles is the alpha magneto is Omega and Moira is theta. So, Charles and Magneto are constant. You kind of, you kind of need the the alpha and the omega, but Moira is the is the variable in
1: this. Yes, and the question is, who's running the simulation? Is it Cerebro or is it Orcus?
0: Well, that is
1: especially when you consider that the variable is a human.
0: Yeah, um, and the thing is, I think the quite telling thing about the, the the first page of this is you kind of got you know x to the zero or 10 to the zero, where you've got year one the the dream which is what we kind of suggested is you know 1965 or whenever the first x-men book came out it it's then and then x to the one year 10 is kind of the the now so this is you know 10 years have passed in comic book time but obviously was it nearly 60 years have passed in in real world time um but the interesting bit is the fact that it's on the world it's not kind of it's not saying earth it's not saying mars it's not saying you know whatever random planet in the world it is saying uh the universe is saying the world which as we know is um
1: what is the world it's its own little unique place
0: yeah and and i think um
1: you can actually go there
0: which would ju- suggest it's not necessarily a uh like a simulation type thing but it is in fact just a, a kind of a dimension on a dimension i guess potentially so that, that
1: it's um it's basically like its own little pocket dimension where yeah. you can control how fast time flows inside it
0: yeah and if you can which control... would be
1: ideal for running simulations
0: exactly yeah so so would it be really sort of like, like too um too far a jump to think that actually it's charles xavier running all of these simulations because he kind of knows about Orcus potentially. You know, and then you've got kind of like Nimrod, uh, it says the war and then, um, ascension in year, uh, year a thousand. Do you, do you want to, do you want to carry on through the book?
1: Yes. Let's carry on. We, have, we get to year a hundred with the chimeras. Now, on one hand, I kind of love Rasputin. And on the other hand, she's kind of an abomination.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I don't like the idea of smushing together kitty and colossus into yeah. one person. Yeah. That's a bit a little bit weird but mr sinister was involved so what do you expect well yeah um it's
0: quite quite interesting about this because you know it it does lay out kind of like almost the dna sequencing who's in that chimera or or chimera i don't know you know how we want to pronounce it but
1: uh, it's a quite a combination yep (laughs) we have quentin choir colossus uh bane is unis the untouchable kitty pride and x-23
0: Yep, um, and she
1: has the soul sword.
0: Yes, so I mean, wh- wherever she got that, that, wherever the hell she got that from, uh, we have no idea. <laughs> but but again, you've kind of got these um, these sinister. Uh, it's a little bit of code up in the top, so on the page where it says the sinister line, you've got sinister zero point zero 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 one Mars zero 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 one A version zero or 01. Now. This is where it gets a little bit confusing for me, um, because it kind of suggests that this is happening in the House of X timeline. I don't know if you agree on that one, or whether you still think it's a part of the whole simulation of it all.
1: I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is basically how this book leaves you thinking, to be quite honest with you. But this whole book is kind of weird. You kind of see um, Omega Sentinel making a re- reappearance from issue one. Now we're in Powers of X issue, uh, Powers of Ten issue one. Um, and Nimrod is there, which yeah, I, he, has, I, he has the most I adorable. Love him. Yeah. It's oh, like... my
1: God. He's so cute and evil. <laughs> He's like, yay, let's do it. Yay! <laughs> let's
0: oh. Put her in a tube. <laughs> It's just just this entire book is just odd.
1: It is and the you know, one thing with the the chimeras, chimeras are when you kind of graft together embryos. They really aren't I don't think they're naturally occurring. You have to make them, yeah, which is different than what mutants are usually portrayed as being as something that happens naturally. Chimeras are forced.
0: So it's kind of a splicing yeah, actually, uh, of various different mutants in this case.
1: And the chimera actually comes from Greek mythology. It's a, a monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail,
0: which is a really odd mix of animals. It is. <laughs> but um, I, the, the world building on these books. I mean, just taking a step back from kind of like the whole symbolism of, of Hickman. Um, you know, he's created an entire universe that exists and you you kind of get a lot of backstory in such a short amount of time i mean this book is what like 30 pages long 30 or 40, 40 pages long um actually it's longer than that it's 47 um but you get stuff like the the fact that something called benevolence exists we assume it's like a shiar ship for mutants um mm-hmm. exists still the shiar homeworld where mutants exist and um I think the one that you're quite interested in, uh, Lynn, is Asteroid K.
1: Yes. Asteroid K, which looks an awful lot like Franklin's ship made out of Groot. Yeah. <laughs> from the, uh, Avengers Original Sin issues.
0: I mean, I, I mean, like I said earlier, I think there's, there's quite a few links to that run. Um, and it's, it's kind of difficult not to, kind of not to go into that. I think Franklin Richards being kind of the most obvious link. Um, especially from House of X because he is an Omega level loop mutant he can create realities and the fact that they want him on Krakoa potentially is suggestive that you know because he's not involved at the moment he's not able to be a part of these simulations potentially I mean that's kind of my view on it I I would kind of suggest that they kind of need the mutants to be able to generate these kind of what would you call it probability runs I guess Yes. Um, so if if they can keep them in one place, then they can obviously control things a lot easier. There's less variables. Um, mm. So yeah, <laughs> and then you've also got the stuff like um, uh, with the, the Fanta- just the Fantastic Four appearing. I think is quite quite telling. Um, and Soul's Hammer, Soul's Anvil, they're all a part of Hickman's kind of history within Marvel. It's just I don't know how much you want to read into that. To be honest with you, it
1: it does give the impression that he's playing the long game.
0: Yeah, um, and the fact that he's kind of only two issues in, and we're already trying to take kind of kind of find this symbolism, take kind of the this, you know, trying to find evidence in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to find the evidence out of two issues is is obviously potentially clutching at straws, but. Um,
1: uh, well, we do have the, the sinister experiments. He's got his four, four generations. Yes. Yeah. The first, which is basically just clones. Yep. That are so charmingly referred to as fodder in their war with the humans. Yep. We got our second generation, which have two power sets. Then we get into the third generation, which are the chimeras like Rasputin and Cardinal. I'm really interested to see what Cardinal is made up of other than Nightcrawler. Yeah. Because um, he, he is described as the the failure. 9.4% of them come out as a Cardinal. So that is a complete pacifist.
0: I, I'm going to kind of suggest two. Uh, so Nightcrawler being the most obvious. Uh, and then Blink because of the pink eyes. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, trying to find a, I'm trying to find a better. Who's image. red? Uh, well, I was thinking of Zazel.
1: Other, other, yeah. I
0: mean, again, it's he a was bit... a demon.
1: Maybe is he just turning red because his father was?
0: Yeah, that's. I'm kind of wondering whether. Because
1: um... I can't think of any red mutants.
0: Uh, neither can I. That's a good point. Um, I'm trying to think who else it might be. Because you kind of think that it would still be five mutants because of the fact that the the kind of the generation before was made up of five um does that mean the cardinals were made up of five but they were five omega Cent uh omega not sentinels
1: um, uh, the, the omegas actually um so rasputin only had one omega in her makeup quentin choir yep and when we get to generation four where he starts putting a bunch of omegas together that's when they um lose it and destroy mars and Forty percent of the mutant population. Yeah. oops yeah.
0: That's that was a that was a bit silly, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, but you know, you look at that list of omega level mutants and uh
0: Yeah. I mean you've got they're,
1: they're not the most stable bunch.
0: I think I think Jamie Braddock on there. Um <laughs> So if you were to put, <laughs> I put they
1: lead with him.
0: <laughs> yeah, so lead with Jamie Braddock, put a bit of David Haller in there, um put a bit of Proteus in there. Uh, A little
1: bit of Vulcan, yikes! <laughs> <Your> Christ, yeah.
0: <laughs> I so this is this is what I mean. I think I think that the simulations are being run on everything that exists at that point in time in in Krakoa. So that, that's why I think that it's it's, it's Charles Xavier actually running these um, these simulations. I think I think the biggest thing is the fact that it, it seems to be taking a lot of inspiration from the Asimov Foundation series. Um
1: Yes, which uh, is is your reading assignment.
0: Yeah, I mean I bought it earlier this year and I was kinda of like, I'm gonna read this. Um and, and yeah, but you've read it and I mean you you've kind of seen more of the, the 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 similarities between the two.
1: Yes. Um for for those who haven't read it, in the book there's um a guy named Harry Selden and he makes a statistical model that kind of predicts the future and he, he, sees a dark age coming. And so he creates these foundations of engineers and scientists and you know, big thinkers to help preserve, you know, civilization by nudging events to minimize the negative effects. Yeah. So the dark age that's coming is supposed to be 30,000 years long and they nudge it to be a thousand years long or something. It's been a while since I read it. Yeah, But it's, you know, it's like you know, the decline and fall of this galactic empire.
0: Yeah. Which and even kind of like getting into foundation and yeah. earth, second foundation. Uh, I can't remember yeah. all the books in the series, but yeah, I assume that's why they're called that.
1: And then we even have in the book, this character, that's the mule, the mule who has psychic powers and they kind of, Ruin everything, and everything has to be built up after the mu- the mule arrives, which is kind of like this fourth generation chimera. So,
0: yeah. So, yeah.
1: just wondering if Mister Hickman is a fan of Asimov. I
0: was going to say, I mean, he 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 has to be, hasn't he? I mean, you've seen his writing from from <laughs> previous Marvel books. I mean, he's clearly a classic sci fi nerd. Because <laughs> this,
1: this is your kind of this whole thing is kind of striking me as the X-Men's version of foundation.
0: Yeah. Like I said, the symbolism that Hickman decides to put into everything is just, it's just great. Um You know, and I think, I think the fact that you've kind of read into that, you know, all the stuff that's the, the, the kind of the programming language, let's call it there's in each page, Um you know, and if and- powers of X is truly the kind of like the simulation stuff and then house of X is kind of like the real time stuff that to me is quite a nice little touch uh, effectively two stories that are interlinked by a common theme uh, i really like that um but the, the what gets me most is still the powers of x stuff the powers of 10 stuff the fact that yeah. the years are named after that i think that's uh, that's the best thing yeah, it's cool but uh yeah i like how the hounds kind of get called up again kind of like the fact that they 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 bred um essentially hounds in this universe as well mm-hmm. The fact that they weren't very good at hunting their own kind, and that's why they went and bred the um, the black brains.
1: Yes, which, which again did not work out.
0: Well, yeah. Um, yeah. And while a few hounds were successfully deployed or proved yeah. to be lethally effective, the majority of them defected. So
1: Yeah, because eugenics does not work.
0: <laughs> yeah, as in, as in human life- fans, life- we know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> life finds a way.
0: Yeah. I, I I wonder if there is any meaning in the names of the mutants as well. So Percival and uh Syllabel, if that's yeah. how you pronounce it. Um but also old man Wolverine makes an appearance. <laughs> and the fact that Mut- and- the fact that Magneto is still alive, I mean, come on guys.
1: And making and making interesting fashion choices.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean Magneto changing from um white to green. And then the only per- we 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 assume that that's black tom um the the i m group guy, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean his mutant power must have sort of somehow
1: and that, that i I completely forgot what his power was, yeah, oh
0: dear, but then then you go a thousand years in the future, and um there's still people in tubes which oh.
1: Yeah, I mean, is that still Silobel that the librarian is looking at? Because she lasted a long time in that too.
0: Yeah, I, I would assume it would be. Um,
1: yeah, although he he is lamenting that they're starting to fade, and he's not going to be able to save them.
0: Which why is there such a step change in that case?
1: Yeah, because Nimrod
0: is still there. Uh, he is, and
1: he, he's he's still adorable. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but. I think what, to me, he looks a lot like, um, now I, I, I've, I've played the, uh, the, the Halo games. He reminds me of kind of a Sentinel in, in the Halo games. Yeah. Which is a, again, uh, is a bit odd. Um, maybe, maybe Hickman's also a fan of, uh, of Halo as a series. But, um, you also have kind of like a zoo, which seems like a human to hold zoo. H- humans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which actually interestingly enough reminded me of um, Planet of the Apes almost because I mean yeah. I, I, because you've kind of got the two humans there then they're, they're not exactly well dressed or anything um, and they're just kind of in a dome somewhere. Um, I mean, yeah, that's interesting again if he's, a, he's a, if, if he is a fan of classic sci-fi, that's one of the most you know one of the best classic sci-fi books I can think of. Um It had one of the best cliffhangers on. That was Powers of X issue one and House of X issue one. <laughs> is there anything else you want to go into on this one? Because I think we could be here for hours.
1: I, I, I think we've exhausted it.
0: Yeah, I think I think the the biggest one to pick up we on need is, a... um, is is actually if it is a um, if it is a simulation, then. One who is running it, obviously. I think my guess is, um, my guess it is Charles Xavier. I think you suggested that it might be, or, or is it Orcus?
1: Yes, we, we know we know that they do, and the fact that Cerebro really hasn't come up a lot or at all kind of makes me wonder if it is Cerebro.
0: Yeah, that was my thought as you well. You think
1: there'd be a mention of Cerebro? Oh, wait, there is one. There is. It's in the brackets in House of X. Cerebro 3.5, Forge
0: Build 1.5. Which page is that on? I have interest.
1: Which page is that on? That would be after Omega Level Mutants.
0: Okay, so that is uh, page... when I get to it. Page 39. Yeah, so Xavier Files, Cerebro 3.5, Forge Build 1.5. So whether this Omega level thing, just this page is from, you know, from Cerebro, we, you know, we don't know. Um, but it's, it's clearly from Saviour's personal kind of information stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, there's there's something going on here. Um, but I think the, the point I was going to make was that depending on when these simulations are happening could depend on which parts of mutant history could potentially still remain or could go. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because um, it, it, if, if it happens, let's say, five years before kind of current time in, in in comic books, you can kind of pick and choose quite a lot of events that have happened. And um, you could actually suggest that some things about the past, sort of, let's say, 10 years of X-Men comic books have been a part of this simulation. Because um, I know they did say that it was like completely almost world-changing, but um, Maybe that wasn't the words they used, but it, it was quite... The way they said it, they said it was going to change X-Men, the X-Men ethos. So, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, it is completely... Uh, like I said, it's just, it just blows your mind slightly, just the fact that he's gone into so much depth in two issues. The fact that we've been able to produce you know, nearly a 45-minute, maybe longer podcast episode out of it. Um, if you get a chance to read the director's cut of House of X One, there's actually a lot more context in the back of that, um, you know. But I, I, I cannot see this not interacting what with what Hickman's previously done. I think we've already seen that it interacts with what he's previously done. Yeah. Any any final final thoughts, Lynn?
1: No, I think we're uh, just going to have to wait for issues two.
0: Yes. And uh, do you expect us to do another another episode of those two?
1: I really suspect we are going to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I think so, too. Because I think as soon as it comes out, we're literally like, so <laughs> what okay, happens. So, okay. Break it down.
1: Rethink everything we thought before.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we could complete, be completely out. But I do think the fact that you managed to get to the, the likelihood function and the fact that that does have POX in the middle of it um, just kind of seems yeah. it is, maybe it's just a massive coincidence. Maybe-
1: but I don't think it is. I will be absolutely insufferable if I was right. <laughs> just, just warning you now. It, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you, you can be
0: insufferable. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going through the likelihood function down to um, basically where I don't understand it anymore. Um, <laughs> and it, mind you, I did. I, you know, I barely understand the original bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, that. Is the kind of thing that Hickman would do, and I just love him for that. Like it just gets my inner nerd and just kind of like, yeah, I'm Nimrod, I'm Nimrod right now. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's. Um, I think we have thoroughly uh, kind of put our tinfoil hats on, and um, we're gonna wait for issues two of both books, see if we were right or wrong, more we'll see if um, if Lynn was right or wrong. Um, but interestingly, I do I do find it funny that they've got cipher in there, like and it I said looks earlier.
1: Like- uh, Cypher becomes whatever chimera they've got, Percival. Because at first I thought it was him, and then I'm like, he can't have survived a hundred years. Uh, oh, yeah. They smushed him with something else. Yeah. But it's just the fact
0: that he can talk to, um, he can talk to Krakoa. Yes. And then you've got Sage. He has their
1: own language on top of the mutant language.
0: Yeah. And you've got, um, Sage there as well. And I, I, I forget what Sage's mutant powers are, but. So Sage is a mutant whose mind works in the same way as a supercomputer. Her mind has unlimited storage capacity and she's able to immediately record any information she has stored with perfect clarity. So basically she is a supercomputer that Oh! Oh! Last minute theory! (laughs) (laughs) She's the one... She could be potentially the one that's running the simulations. Or helping run the simulations. I mean, they're they're both in kind of like the whole control centre of um, Krakoa, so... She could be linked into Cerebro to run all the calculations. So
1: that is a good guess. That would be a reason why she would show up, seeing as how I didn't even remember she
0: existed. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Sage is also able to see a person's genetic code, reading DNA sequences for latent and manifested mutations. This allows her to identify mutants and understand how their powers work, and more thoroughly than they themselves do. Oh wait, hang on. Sage is able to selectively evolve a ge- existing genetic traits, as well as catalyze the untapped genetic potential of latent mutants. Once begun, the procedure is irreversible and can often result in unpredictable side effects, like a chimera. <laughs> Just, I, I, I mean, I, that's it. Done it. so solved it. That's, yes. that's House of X and Powers of X in a nutshell. Um, that that's interesting though. The fact they would pair them yeah. those those two up. So yeah. Like I said, I think we have to wait for issues two of both to um, to really understand what's going on. Um,
1: and we only have to wait two weeks. It's one a week. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: not I, I don't think we're going to probably get anything more than what we've already got out of the first two books. But <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's so good. I love Hickman. I'm so glad he's on the X-Men. I'm so glad the X-Men are getting their so-called kind of reboot that they deserve. Um, it's been a long time coming. So should we finish it there? I think we should. Okay, so if you guys have um, anything to talk to us about if you want to get in contact, then you can go to at Atalan Rising 1 on Twitter, um, where we, you know you can send us messages, send us tweets, whatever. Uh, our email is at, at uh, the show at atalanrising.com. Again, send us emails, comments, whatever feedback, you know that kind of stuff send us your theories on House and Powers of X. That would be good. And we hope to catch you next time. So thank you for listening and uh, see you next episode.
1: Bye!